listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I am your host, Heather Osgood, and joining me today on the program is Dave Hanley. Dave Hanley is the Chief Revenue Officer at Libsyn's Advertise Cast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Heather. Happy to be here. Dave, I will never forget, I don't think I've ever shared this story with you, but when I started True Native Media, I walked into my first podcast movement and I was like, this is a great event, so excited about the company. And then I saw the advertised cast booth. And I want to say that it was like piled with like fake dollar bills. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? Advertised cast, that is so cool. And I feel like we started our companies at really similar times. Mm -hmm. But what made you guys decide to get into the industry? What was kind of intriguing about it? Yeah, it's so funny that you remember that because I think the first podcast movement that I went to, Trevor actually showed up, who's Trevor's the co-founder of Advertise Cast with myself. And he showed up and he says, hey, Dave, I got this really great idea to really like attract podcasters to come to the booth. And he opened up this briefcase and there's a bunch of fake money <laughs> inside of it. And I was like, <laughs> but, and it was actually pretty funny. I mean, a lot of people did come over and joke around. And so it was kind of a nice little icebreaker. But I guess getting back to what got me into this industry and what got Trevor into the industry is frankly, both him and I had exactly zero years of media experience prior to getting into this space. Um, And what really got us interested is both of us were just huge podcast consumers. I actually have a background in, I started, you know, a couple um, enterprise software companies in the very exciting insurance and risk management industry between, you know, the kind of early 2000s. And basically, I sold the company in 2016 and I had to think about what I wanted to do next. So I took a little bit of time off and I just kept getting up every morning, listening to podcasts and listening to more podcasts. And then I started to hear some ads and then I started to think, you know, the more I listen here, the more ads I'm hearing. So this is obviously something that's picking up some steam. And then when I started researching it, I found that the industry was highly fragmented. So yeah, there were some networks, but then there was all kinds of independent creators out there creating a great show and you know maybe they'd get some advertisers knocking on their door but really i like true story i woke up in the middle of the night one night and i wrote down a little piece of paper beside my bed you know a marketplace for advertisers to connect with podcasters connect the dots in an online system so i got up in the morning googled it and i said someone's already doing it there's a website called advertise cast so i actually just cold emailed trevor and said hey what do you, you know what are you up to I love what you guys are doing. Tell me about the business. And it turns out you just got started. And at the time, there was a ton of demand from the podcast side. So there was a lot of podcasters coming here saying, hey, this looks really cool. We'd love to get some advertisers for our show. But on the flip side, there was a lot of advertisers coming and basically landing on the site, signing up, but not really taking things to the next level and actually Mm -hmm. doing buys. And then so the more I talked with Trevor the more it became evident to me, who has really a sales background, that we needed to educate the advertisers because it was so new. This was like 2017. And as you know, Heather, probably even today, you get a lot of people reaching out. They still have never done podcast advertising. So it is still, even though it's been around for quite a while, a pretty like nascent new space. And so once we started building a sales team and really educating the brands and the agency folks on Hey, what kind of ad copy 
works best. What's the frequency that you should, you should book this on and all those things surrounding uh, podcast advertising. That's when the business really started to, to take off. So that's like the quick history there. That's awesome. So I didn't realize, I thought that you and Trevor started together, but he started it and then you came and said, hey, how can I contribute? Yeah, exactly. So Trevor, he's got a, a background in kind of building a couple online businesses and our developer slash, you know, architect slash technical jack of all trades named Scott and Trevor actually built the platform out with this concept that it would be self-serve marketplace. But what was interesting is once we found that we need to really educate and go out to the market and really evangelize podcast advertising, we actually stripped back some of the self-serve functionality. And the view that we have, at least going forward into the future, is that those self-serve capabilities that are actually still there and they're used by you know some folks in our platform, there will be more demand for that in the future where someone's going to come in and say, hey, it's great I'm talking to somebody, getting an Excel sheet with all your you know roster on it and all that type of thing. But hey, I'd rather just go into the system, pick the available inventory and, and set a campaign in motion by myself. So that's a long-term vision for where we think the industry is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a great observation. I remember when I saw Advertise Cast having a sales background myself, I thought, there's no way, like, I know from having conversations that advertisers don't know what to do. And I knew that they would be reluctant to go and use a self-service model because they didn't know what they were buying. And they, mm -hmm. and I, I think it's so interesting when we look at the evolution of sales, salespeople used to be the knowledge gatekeepers. They had all of the information that someone needed. And so the reason you worked with a salesperson is because you needed to get educated. And now, obviously, with so much information online. We don't need salespeople as much. Really, it's more about them building relationships and helping um, to provide maybe good questions, right? Asking that that buyer a good question that maybe is thought-provoking as opposed to, oh, hey, here I have all this information. Now, saying all of that, I do think that in podcast advertising, salespeople are still knowledge gatekeepers because there isn't necessarily a central repository for all of this knowledge and all of these best practices. And because it is such a new plat, a new medium, and because there are so many different options, it's not, oh, this is how you buy YouTube ads, or this is how you buy Facebook ads. There are so many different ways you can go about it. So I really feel like that education process is still really important. And as the industry continues to unfold, I think that it's going to continue to be important, right? Because it's not, we're not set in stone. You and I know that probably mm -hmm. better than most, that the industry is going to continue to change. Now, I'm sure at some point we'll get to a place where there is enough consistency where people can go and um, buyers can go onto platforms and use self-service options. And I, I think we all are excited to get to a place where more of that can happen. But I guess I'm just curious, what are your thoughts? Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think today there are there is a lot of, you know, a lot of information and data that as a salesperson you're putting on the table and helping people interpret. Back then when we first got started, a lot of that stuff wasn't even there. You know, there, right. there wasn't really, there wasn't even IAB certified hosting platform. So it's if you're on this platform versus that platform, you know, here's what you need to know. Here's the, here's the differences. And I think people's heads would spin as we try to explain all that stuff. So it's come so far 
But I think it's the nature of this space being so fragmented that it still makes it difficult. And then obviously, as the industry continues to evolve, like when we first got started, and I'm sure when you first got started, it's like, hey, what do I buy? Well, you buy a baked in post-red ad unit and here's how it's sold and here's what you get. Now there's baked in spots out there still. There's a dynamic, but hey, how are you doing dynamic? Is it episodic? Or the cap, or is it number of days, or is it full catalog, or the back catalog, or is it produce spot that's run of network? There's all kinds of different mm-hmm. options, and I think the approach that we take and the approach that I think you know you take as well is it's not really selling inventory. It's trying to figure out what your advertiser is trying to do, what are their objectives, and then putting together a solution for them to say, hey, if you're looking to reach this audience, here's the best way that you can go about doing that. And it might be a combination of different types of ad units. It might be host reads with a, you know, a run of network to support that, or it might be a campaign that might be geo-targeted across, you know, a bunch of shows. Or um, so that's really the key thing is having those conversations, figuring out what your customer is trying to do, and putting something on the table for them to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that gets us to a really good place, which is what I hear you saying and would agree with is advertisers need to start with a goal, right? So you have to decide before you enter the space, what are your goals, right? What are you trying to accomplish? And I guess I'm curious, based on conversations that that you have had and experiences you've had, what are some of the goals that you would recommend an advertiser have when they come into an ad campaign? Yeah, I think looking at your traditional kind of direct response type of campaign, the types of advertisers that really were first into the podcast world and really almost built this whole podcast industry, advertising industry, obviously the very basics of customer acquisition cost and driving website visits and conversions and the DTC type of thing. So that's still very prevalent in the space today. We have a lot, you know, lots of advertisers that are in that, you know, type of mode. But certainly more and more, we're talking to brands that are looking to be a little bit more top of funnel, get their messaging out there in, in a way that's unique, in a way that kind of stands out from the crowd of typical like radio or broadcast television or, or something of that nature. And I think it's just what we have in the podcast world is something that is very unique because of the audience that we have it is quite often very difficult to reach on other platforms. So people are subscribing to ad-free streaming services as opposed to watching TV, as opposed to listening to the radio and those types of things. So I think very often the brands have objectives of you reaching this very desirable audience in a unique way that stands out from their competition, which I think is uh, something we're seeing more and more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are you seeing an increase in brand advertising as opposed to direct response? Definitely we are. I would say it's a push for us internally. Obviously, you know, part of what you need to really get into that space is, you know, enough scale where you can actually make it worth their while. And so speaking with one of the fellows who's on the Libsyn board, he actually was the previous president or CEO of, of the IAB. And I was chatting with him the other day. And we were talking about this brand business and how podcast networks and, and sellers can actually crack that, that nut. Um, and one of the things he was saying is that even you know, at the scale that some of the big podcast networks are at today, it's still not that interesting to large brand advertisers. So doing things like reach extension, getting creative a little bit with those campaigns is something that even is done at the, you know, the larger network level. So as we've continued to grow 
over the years. And now that we're part of a part of Libsyn, we're getting to that point now where we actually have enough scale to, to make it interesting for those larger brands. So that's really a big push for us. But I think, you know, even if you think about a very large podcast that has a couple million downloads a month, like that is still not large when you consider some of the other you know, advertising opportunities that big brands are looking at in terms of traditional media, right? So it's funny because again, as I mentioned, I don't have any previous media experience. So this is all I know. Hearing that from Patrick, our board member there, it was interesting for me to go, okay, when you think about it from that perspective, it, it makes sense that it's hard to get the attention of those bigger brands and, and agencies that are doing those kinds of buys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is such a great perspective because when we're like, we're so excited about this industry and we focus so much on it. And then I sometimes feel like we all lift our heads up and look around and go, oh, we're still pretty small. But I think yeah. we, we all feel like we're so much bigger because we are a lot bigger as an industry than we used to be four or five years yeah. ago, but we're still small in comparison to other advertising oh, it's, platforms. It, it's so funny. And I think what hit, what hit it home for me was, I think it was maybe a year or two ago, we had done some business with some kind of regional auto dealership groups, for example, and we can run some geo-targeted type of like run of network campaigns and, and that type of thing. And I, I thought to myself, gee, I wonder what kind of regional car dealerships spend annually on advertising, just all channels. And so I, you know, keeping in mind at the time, we were less than a billion dollars in the podcast industry. And it was like, oh, regional car dealerships are spending I think the number was somewhere like $12 billion a year. So I'm going, well, that makes us feel real small. when Just that one segment is spending that much on media and on an annual basis. Right. No, for sure. So one of the things that you have been doing at Advertise Cast that I find really fascinating and frequently when I'm talking about CPMs is that you've been publishing your average CPMs. And I guess I'm curious what made you guys decide mm-hmm. to make the decision to do that and maybe how you're seeing things um, move around or trend. Yeah. Why did you guys decide to do that? Yeah, it's interesting. And we talked a little bit about this earlier where a lot of salespeople that are in the podcast uh, space, very often we're helping advertisers really figure out what's going on behind the scenes. What are the numbers? What are all the important things that you need to know? And when we became part of Libsyn, we really had this focus of kind of bringing some of that stuff into the light of day. Heather, what's really difficult is when you look at the numbers for a show, you know, Hey, what are the download numbers? What are the catalog numbers? What are the per episode numbers? All that type of thing. And it can be really confusing, right? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to shed some light. And this is one of the first kind of initiatives that we've taken is saying we want to be as transparent as we can with what's going on in the podcast advertising business. Hey, average rates. One of the things we're talking about is surfacing you know, kind of some more like genre specific information. Hey, how does this genre stack up to that genre in terms of like price and demand rates and, and that type of thing? And this was actually an idea that, that Brad, our CEO brought up. Why don't we publish some of these rates so that we can at least, and obviously part of it is getting our name out there in terms of the industry, but part of it is just going, hey, transparently, you know, here's what we're seeing. Certain times a year, there's different demand, higher demand, price goes up, lower demand, price goes down. So advertisers can look at it and say, hey, you know, if this is a good time of year where I can actually potentially go in, find some inventory, I'm not competing against a million other advertisers, that might be an interesting way for me to dip my toe in the water. So I think for us, it's all about transparency. And we just love that kind of concept of really helping people navigate the space and figure out what's going on without having to dig into too many numbers and, and things that are not really brought to the surface um, too much today. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, I think that is one of the big questions that I get asked so often is what kind of CPMs should you pay? Should you pay a 15? Should you pay a 30? Should you pay a 50? And it's really nice just to say, well, there is this report that is put out there and this is what we see at True Native, but this is a really good number because it's across, I would presume, thousands of different campaigns that are being run. So it gives a really good average. Do you think that it makes sense to pay more or less than the average? Like when should an advertiser be comfortable paying maybe a $50 CPM? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the CPMs you've been reporting are generally around the 23-ish dollar range. Yeah, we've seen it range from, you know, 23 to 25-ish. But really, if you looked at the actual like raw data that's feeding those numbers, it's all over the place. So we've got, I was looking at actually genre specific information today when we were talking about that this morning. And there's some better low 20s or high teens that are maybe less demand, maybe an audience that doesn't have a wide array of advertisers going after that audience today. Um, you know, as you know, there are certain audiences that are more desired by certain brands. So for example, a female 25 to 45 audience, like that's a highly desirable audience because oftentimes they're kind of household spenders and decision makers. Brands are very often trying to pursue that audience. On the same token, we've got, say, business and technology shows where there maybe there's more of a B2B slant and an advertiser there is like, hey, if I advertise on this show and we drive some business out of it, that is going to ROI significantly. So maybe a $40, $45, $50 CPM is not that big of a deal. But I think the main thing is what we also wanted to surface is that when we put these numbers out, it's not just our sales team going, well, we think this show is worth X, so that's what the rate is. This is like real supply and demand forces, seasonality that comes into play. Um, and, you know, and the market can kind of ebb and flow with those different inputs. So definitely, you said there, there can be rates all over the place. Um, you might have certain times a year where you've got extra inventory, you're willing to sharpen your pencil and do a little bit more of a deal. Um, and there's other times a year, November and December, where you're probably going to be charging a, you know, kind of standard rate on most inventory because there's so much demand. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about advertised cast. I know one of the big questions that people entering the space often have is, how do I go about actually buying advertising? And I know I've talked on the show in the past. I had just a friend of mine who owns an advertising agency call me one day and he's like, how the hell do I buy podcast advertising? He's like, I have looked everywhere. I can't figure it out. And I thought that was really interesting, right? I mean, this is somebody who's been buying media, you know, radio, radio, TV, digital for a long time. And he was like, how do I do this? And I know that's been a couple of years ago and I know things have grown and progressed since then. One of the easy ways to point people toward buying host read endorsement ads is to go onto a marketplace. And I know that there are a growing number of marketplaces out there, but I do think Advertised Cast may have been one of the first, if not the first. So tell us a little bit about exactly what um, Advertised Cast is. What is a marketplace? Yeah, really the way that um, thinking about it from the advertiser's perspective. So say somebody who's, I've never done this before. I want to run a campaign for my brand and they know what they're trying to do. Like we talked about before, what are their objectives? What we generally do in terms of a getting started type of approach is that somebody comes to AdvertiseCast's website, they can browse through the different inventory. 
you know, take a look at the shows that we actually have on the platform. Today, we've got about 2,500 shows in the system. What we typically recommend is that for a first time, never done it before advertiser, they can connect with somebody on our sales team to essentially help them navigate through that first process of putting a campaign in place. And that you can imagine when you go to a marketplace like ours, you have the ability to say, hey, I'm looking for shows that um, reach a business audience. And you can search on certain terms. You can filter by specific demographics to say male, female, age categories, those types of things based on the demographics for each show. But we're still going to be looking at potentially dozens or hundreds of podcasts by the time you you know, slice and dice all of that. So what our team can really help with is saying, hey, what are your objectives? What are you trying to do? Obviously, knowing the inventory inside out, we can put a campaign together for that advertiser and say, hey, here's what we recommend for your first go around. Now, for somebody who does want to be pretty self-sufficient and roll up their sleeves and get in there and do it themselves, typically after that first campaign is when we'd say, hey, you know how this all works now. You've been through the workflow of booking the campaign, distributing the ad copy, which all happens through the system. Maybe they want to send out samples to the host and all that good stuff. Once you go through that process with our team, then we can onboard you into the platform so that you can actually do that yourself. Going back in, selecting inventory, setting up a campaign and really managing it right through the system. So we've got a, a unique concept where we have an advertiser dashboard. So they're in there. They can actually run their own campaigns, see what's going on. They get real-time access to air checks that are delivered to them through the system. All the payment information and invoicing and reporting and all that kind of stuff happens through the platform. And then frankly, we have some quite a few customers that say, hey, look, we'd rather have you guys you know, run these campaigns for us and manage everything and do all the behind the scenes. And, and we're happy to do that as well. And we don't charge a premium for that. That's just kind of part of the service that we offer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. So if somebody wanted to get a campaign started, I feel like this is a question I get a lot from advertisers is how long does it take? So if I decided, gosh, we're recording this on March 1st, I really need a campaign to get started by March 10th because I've got this big thing happening and I want to get on air like ASAP. If somebody is using the platform, how quickly can someone get a campaign started from very first initial conversation to actually being on with ads? You know, they have all of their, you know, ducks in a row or they've got the ad copy. If they're using promo codes or landing pages that can spin that stuff all up relatively quickly, we generally say, hey, if you go in and there's inventory available, um, you can generally spin something up within seven to 10 days Mm -hmm. um, in the system. Again, assuming you've got everything ready to go. Now, if it's somebody who's coming in and, and they're saying, hey, we've never done this before, we want to we want help creating ad copy and all that kind of stuff, like certainly we would recommend more lead time than that, or if they're sending out product or anything along those lines. But the beauty of having the marketplace platform is that you are essentially working directly with the podcasters through the system. So if you go in and you select five shows and you put in an order with them with certain dates, you're, co- you're basically collaborating with those creators right in the system. If they have a question, boom, you can answer the question right through the platform. And it just helps really, you know, cut out a lot of the, the difficult workflow that can happen in the host read you know, podcast process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me in terms of putting together a campaign, do you feel like there are some best practices or is there a certain budget a, an advertiser should have a certain quantity of shows or there are specific genres that you recommend? What advice would you give a first time advertiser? 
Yeah, I think it was interesting. I, I think I mentioned when we first connected today that I was listening to the uh, the episode that you with Glenn a few, from Adopter Media a few uh, a few weeks ago, and I mean that is pretty much a philosophy. I think you share a lot of these same you know thoughts in terms of one of the big things that we always say in terms of best practices is you know I think the example was if you're trying to promote a finance app, you know don't necessarily just look at finance shows because people that are listening to those shows. They're probably pretty savvy. They're probably, those are the ones that are creating their own spreadsheets to manage all of their investments. Then, you know, your brand is probably not going to get much traction with them. So thinking about where is that audience out there that may not necessarily be like contextually, you know, relevant on, on those types of shows. I mean, I think that is probably the biggest thing that is a bit of a hurdle for first time. Um, advertisers that are coming in the space. And I think you've had, I'm sure you've had many of those conversations as well. So it's really thinking around the demographics, who are we trying to reach? What are they consuming out there? People that need our finance app are not just consuming financial content. They're probably thinking about what was on The Bachelor last night or the the basketball game last week or, or things like that. And in terms of getting, getting started, we're very much um, advocates of starting off with kind of small to mid-sized podcasts. So um, looking at, we really built our business on working with shows years ago that were 10,000 to 50,000 downloads per episode, because we found that those shows had really highly engaged audiences. You can get in at a very reasonable you know, cost of entry, a few hundred to maybe a thousand or a few thousand dollars with some frequency. We always talk about frequency being relative to how much consideration is involved with a purchase if you're looking at like direct response type of campaign. So if it's an expensive product that you need to research and get in there and learn all about, you probably want to have higher frequency. If it's something that's a little bit, you know, less consideration, a quick, you know, purchase, you could probably deal with a little lower frequency. Um, and that could be anywhere from on the low side, three to four, um, on the high side, six to 10 or 12 episode frequency. So those are some of the things we think about. And I always tell people that if I had the, if I, it was my money and I was spending dollars on, on a podcast campaign and somebody, you can have this one show, which is great show, great audience, hundred thousand downloads per episode, or you can have 10 shows at 10,000 downloads per episode. Where am I going to, you know, slam my money down? It's definitely going to be on the ladder. It's going to be on those 10 shows at 10,000. Um, as opposed to the one at a hundred thousand, because that's something that when we've run the numbers, we've seen that those smaller shows in aggregate, you're, you're spreading your risk around. Some are going to perform really well. Some of them might not on average. I think that's going to perform better. And the challenge there typically is that a lot of buyers, it's like, that's a lot of work as opposed to buying one show for a hundred thousand. It's a lot of work to deal with 10 shows. And that's really our focus is taking that friction out of the process so that Somebody can say, hey, we do want to run that kind of buy across those 10 shows. And one of the things that we've just recently brought into our fold is we acquired a company called Podgo several months ago. And, and really their focus is host red ads for small podcasts. So basically sub 5,000 or sub 10,000 you know, downloads per episode. So for us now, a unique offering that we're really trying to educate the marketplace on is what we call our emerging podcast bundle, which mm -hmm. is basically the ability to facilitate host reads for a brand on vetted shows that are brand safe, that we have an idea of who the demographics are, but it's not across 10 shows, it's across 50 shows or 100 shows. 
um, because we see that as a really interesting way to go to market. We can offer a really competitive rate. A lot of those shows are really keen on working with brands so that they're just trying to get their, you know, get their feet wet, do some ad reads, get those relationships going as they grow. And we're seeing some great things already in that side of our business. And we're really looking forward to growing that in the future. And, and I see that as being a really interesting way for brands to tap into audiences that aren't saturated with ads already. Because right. um, those shows, they, they might be the only advertiser on the show or they might be one or two type of thing. Yeah, I think you brought up a couple of really good points there. Obviously, last you mentioned ad saturation, and I think that we're seeing that more and more. The other thing that I find really fascinating is that top performing podcasts get booked out. If you have a show that is a finance podcast, for instance, or a female lifestyle podcast, like chances are they're going to be sold out for the year. So if you're wanting to get into the space, you might come and say, well, I really want to be on this podcast. They might not have any availability. So I think that looking at those um, kind of secondary shows is a really good place to get in. And the other thing that you mentioned that I think is really spot on is the comparison between one podcast at 100,000 impressions or downloads or 10 at 10,000 and, you know, choosing which the reality is that we know not every podcast is going to work for every advertiser. And a big part that I always, you know, talk about is the testing part, right? And if you have 10 shows, then you can say, gosh, maybe this size audience, this demographic, this genre, like the way the ad was delivered, all of those different components work together to create really good results on this show. But this one, you would have thought would have converted and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And when you just, I feel like one of the biggest mistakes that advertisers can make is advertising on too few podcasts at a time because they don't- 100% think, agree, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't give you the information you need to really learn and then scale. So it sounds like you do agree with that. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why we would skew when someone's saying, hey, how do I get started? What do you recommend? Is I'd rather go with if you have some theories where, hey, maybe true crime makes sense for us, or maybe reality TV type content makes sense for us, or this type of audience or that type of audience, that initial campaign, the objective should not always be max out performance. It should be testing some of those theories to see what data you get back. If you thought mm -hmm. this audience was going to work, many times we've run and we say, I think this is, there's two audiences we're going to go after. Our guess is that audience A is better than B. Many times it comes back and goes, well, that actually didn't pan out. Audience B actually worked better. And so let's double down on that. Now, from a pure performance perspective, you know, they might look at it and go, well, this one was great. This one was bad. Overall, we weren't, we didn't get a positive ROI. But like you said, that is one of the biggest mistakes is not investing enough in the testing. You know, how many times, Heather, have you, you know, had the conversation where somebody maybe goes and advertises on one, two, three shows and they go, well, podcast advertising didn't work for us. There's also a couple hundred thousand other shows out there <laughs> that are potentially available for you to partner with. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. That happens all the time, unfortunately. And we try to recommend that they advertise in enough shows. Yeah. All right. So let's pivot the conversation a little bit. I, I know we've been talking about advertising. I would love to talk a little bit more about how podcasters can leverage advertise cast. I know I have conversations with podcasters all the time who are like, gosh, my show isn't big enough, but I really want ads. And I always recommend that podcasters list their shows on Advertise Cast because it just seems like a really easy way to get your podcast out in front of potential advertisers. 
it's been my experience that most representation firms are looking for around the 10,000 downloads per episode. I know some of them can go down into 5,000, but Really, I would say the mm-hmm. best shows are going to be over 10,000. But it sounds, especially um, with the acquisition of Podgo and some other things you're doing, there definitely is space for podcasters that are smaller to really find opportunities with your company. Is that the case? Yeah, definitely. Speaking just about like how, you know, AdvertiseCast works and how we work with podcasters, there's really two ways. So number one is we have some exclusive shows that we represent where it's like, hey, this is the only place you can buy this show because we're an exclusive, you know, representative of, of the show and it's on our marketplace, obviously, as well. But that's that's a pretty small subset of our content. And, and generally we have a we bring shows through our marketplace as like a non-exclusive show before we transition them typically to that exclusive uh, relationship. Because very often what we'll want to do is we want to work with them a little bit, see how the show, see how the show collaborates with our team and how, mm-hmm. you know, how they are to work with and that type of thing. But literally any podcast can go in and add their listing to advertise cast as a non-exclusive marketplace podcast. Previously, before Podgo joined our team, it was 5,000 download per episode minimum. Ooh, because I didn't really, realize that. Yeah, it actually was. So w- what we've learned and same thing that you said, Heather, I think earlier is that a lot of times when you're talking to an advertiser, you'd say, hey, what shows do you have? Here's a show. They just ne- didn't necessarily think, I don't have the time to buy 100 shows at 3,000, 2,000, 1,500 you know, downloads per episode. And frankly, it is quite a bit of work for someone to go ahead and vet every single show and go through that process and manage that campaign. But with our Podgo acquisition, we basically have brought that down to, I think it's 200 downloads per episode now because we're bundling all of those smaller shows for the advertisers. We're doing a lot of that legwork for them of vetting the content, looking at the demographics, all that type of stuff that really takes that friction out of play so that if somebody wants to reach that audience, then we can provide that across many shows. Since we've opened that up, we're educating the market on that offering. And I think we're going to really start to get some traction soon, but we're getting a ton of excitement from podcasters that previously might have showed up on advertisecast.com, put in their listing and says, sorry, you're only at, you know, 3000 and it's kind of got to be that 5,000 minimum. But really the way we're thinking about it is we want as many shows as possible to come through, graduate up to that level where, hey, they've got 5,000, 10,000 mm-hmm. an episode and they can now maybe partake in more campaigns, bigger campaigns and build some more of those, uh, those brand relationships. And our model is relatively straightforward. It's you you add your show. There's no cost to do. The system gets you all set up. We recommend your CPM rates depending on the size and the genre and things like that. And then whatever um, advertisements come your way, we keep 30% and you get 70%. What's really great about our system too, is that it really automates a lot of the workflows. So just in terms of the calendar, the scheduling, the air checks, even the payouts. So you literally put in your PayPal or your ACH information and boom, you get paid out directly from the system. There's no checks and invoicing and all that fun stuff that nobody really likes to do. So we try to cut all that out through the technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. Very, very cool. And I am happy to hear that you are taking on smaller shows because I think that there really does need to be a place and it is a lot of work to try and aggregate all Mm -hmm. those shows together and work with them. So do you guys do programmatic um, ads at all, like announcer red ads, or are you guys all host red endorsement? So we have some relationships that we, so for example, 
when a couple years ago, we started to get a lot of inquiries around, I used the example before of an auto dealer group that's in three different states on the East Coast, for example. So we actually have access to some programmatic platforms that we can actually execute those types of campaigns on behalf of those brands who want to do things like that, which is great because we can fill that gap between your typical like national advertisers and those types of needs. And that's actually been a growing segment for us. Um, those regional or targeted campaigns where it's more of a produced ad format, run of network type of campaign. So that's something that we do a little bit of. Um, I'm happy to say that Libsyn is actually working right now on a, you know, call it programmatic. We tend to call it automated, you know, advertising platform, really more for the publisher side. So for the 75,000 shows that are hosted on the Libsyn platform, we're going to be opening up capabilities where those shows can start to monetize based on essentially programmatic or automated advertising from brands all over the place, uh, which is a great solution for somebody who maybe is you know too small for host red ads or don't, don't want to do host red ads and just yeah. want to have those types of produced ads really inserted into their content so that's something that's coming down the uh coming down the line soon mm -hmm. very cool so essentially and you don't have to host your show on libsyn to be on advertised cast correct correct so when we became part of libsyn one of the things that we were super excited to to hear about from the libsyn management team um, because it was really in line with the way that we look at the industry is that we really, we really want to do what's best for the podcaster. So if somebody's hosted on uh, Megaphone or Podbean or Buzzsprout and they want to monetize, we're totally fine with that. As long as it's one of the you know major platforms, it's IAB certified. Um, we're platform agnostic. Now, certainly we, we love when shows host on Libsyn and we've got lots of shows that we work with today that are on Libsyn, but we really are in that respect, a platform agnostic. We'll work with creators that are um, on whatever platform works best for them. Mm -hmm. Great, great. So what I hear you saying then is um, essentially starting at 200 downloads an episode, people can, podcasters can get on to Libsyn and mm -hmm. then obviously they're going to grow up through the ranks when you get into that 5,000, 10,000 plus, you're probably obviously going to be making quite a bit more. And then the next level would be representation and exclusive representation with mm -hmm. the advertised cast. And you even get to a place where you're doing guarantees potentially for podcasters, right? Isn't that something you guys offer as well? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Heather. That progression is exactly the roadmap that we're looking to bring podcast creators through. And we've been fortunate enough over the last couple of years to work with some really great shows where after we work with them on an exclusive basis and do a really great job bringing them some ad campaigns and filling their show really well is that we want to build that even closer relationship where we say, hey, look, we're going to give you this advance on your ad deals. And what that really does is it shows how committed we are to doing a great job for them. And we have a few of those in place today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great chatting with you. If either a podcaster or an advertiser is interested in working with the advertised cast, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. Anybody who's out there that wants to talk about advertising or a podcast or you want to talk about our platform, it's just Dave at AdvertiseCast.com. And now the other interesting part is if you're a show that kind of falls in that category of what we call our emerging podcast, a couple hundred to a few thousand downloads uh, per episode, you can actually reach out to David at AdvertiseCast.com. David Ehrlich is the guy who heads up that division of our, our business. So uh, it's Dave or David at AdvertiseCast.com. And then obviously you just go to the website and check us out as well. 
Terrific. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for listening. We appreciate you being here. I hope this episode has been full of some great bits of information about how you can take advantage of podcast advertising. And if you'd like to learn more about podcast advertising, you can go to truenativemedia.com to download our free guide for um, how to get started with podcast ads. So have a great day and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 